Hello, welcome. Thank you for dropping into Time in the Studio. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller, and I'm really excited for today's episode. It is the 34th episode, and it's a conversation with Jennifer Lord. She's also known as Juniper Lord on Instagram. Uh, a little bit about her. She is an artist and a teacher. She received her Bachelor of Arts from Naropa University in Visual Arts in Tai Chi Chuan. She studies and teaches Tai Chi with the Rocky Mountain Tai Chi School. She's a student of Sogetsu Ikebana and with Kalapa Ikebana. Uh, Lord's most recent events include a solo exhibition at Juice Box, a solo exhibition at Alto Gallery, a group show at Megafauna, a digital collaboration with Noah Travis Phillips published online by realitybeach.org, and exhibited at Sluice in London. She has a forthcoming collaboration with the Mused Fashion House, and Lord exhibited Ikebana in the 2018 annual Sogetsu Ikebana Spring Show in Denver, Colorado. Lord's collaboration, Team Up, with Noah Travis Phillips will be published by Plus Four Press. She lives, works, and teaches in Boulder, Colorado, and her work is held in several private collections. And she is an absolute delight to chat with, and her work is so beautiful, so I'm just really honored to have her on the show today. Uh, yeah, without further ado, I'm just gonna, let's just hop into our conversation. Here we go. Cha-cha-cha. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have on the show today, Jennifer Lord. She is a phenomenal painter living in Boulder, Colorado. Jennifer, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about your background. So you make art, you do Ikebana and Tai Chi and... I'm a mom. And you're a mom yeah. and you work with fashion and you do so work many... At the library. Yeah, yeah, you work at the library. So... Yeah, can you just like give us a maybe a little bit of a glimpse into your background and some highlights along the way? Sure. So, um, so art is kind of like foundation for wanting to be on the planet, <clears throat> wanting to be alive. For me, mm. um, so it's like the base. And then you know, my do- I have a daughter. She's going to be sixteen in oh. September. Oh my! Really? <laughs> so, uh-huh. Wow, that's exciting. So she's yeah, she's super cool. Um, wonderful husband, Noah Travis Phillips, who's also an artist and um, professor at Denver, University of Denver. Oh, terrific. Um, Tai Chi, solid foundation. Tai Chi and Ikebana and kind of uh, mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think of like traditional Eastern arts as another kind of ground or touch point. Um, And books, like books are super important to my, like my life and my art practice I don't know. Being here. Amazing. Yeah, I could see just looking at the titles of your, all your different exhibitions that you have on your website, and then the titles of all of the pieces in your show, like there's definitely a literary influence, and then the name of the show that I got to see at Juice Box, which is called As You Find Yourself in the Verdant Field with the Sun on Your Face. It's just, it's so beautiful, and it just brings me to this place of like, I'm going to feel there's sun on my face. <laughs> and I'm yeah. in your show. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about some of your maybe literary influences for this show in particular. Is there anything that really came through as you're working on this body of work? Um, this Well, this show is interesting. Like, the title came from Aaron and Lucia of Juicebox came to the studio, and we were looking at what would be in the show. And Aaron started talking about like Shambhala, Shangri-La, Elysian Fields, like all of these mythical places, um, kind of mythical utopias, I guess. And I was looking into each of those as ideas um, and mythologies. And the thing all of them have in common are they're like otherworldly. Like the Elysian Fields is somewhere you go when you die. Or Shambhala is like a... It's like the golden golden age or the golden kingdom, and but none of them had the the like this is this world that we're living in right now kind of feeling, right. and so, um, but somehow through that research, uh, lines similar to this came out, and so I you know I wrote the initial line down and then 
thought about it for a few days and then it's like changed a few words, altered things. And so it became as you find yourself in the verdant fields with the sun on your face. I love that. Yeah. Yes. So to like get a, to get a sense of like we are, it's this place, this earth, mm. like, and it's very special. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. That idea of bringing that utopia and that bliss and that gratitude for being in a body and a human body. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool to have a body. Like, yeah, bringing that utopian perspective into the present moment and that mindfulness. I love, I really like that. Yeah. I could see how um, Tai Chi and Ikebana and just the act of painting. And being them all the things like yeah. it just comes together <laughs> yeah. in that phrase. It's really beautiful, really cool. Um, I was curious your process in working on this show because there's a lot of different pieces. There's some works on paper, some on it looks like canvas, maybe some on linen, and then some kind of sculptural elements as well. Um, I was curious what it looked like in your studio yeah. as you were working on this and how you kind of pulled all the things together. Sure. So, like, all all of that work, um, I think, was made this year. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily geared toward, like, I'm making this show. Mm -hmm. The title actually was applied, like, after all the work existed. Mm -hmm. um, so the um, kind of earlier this year, or so what it was, rewind. So I've been studying Ikebana since 2011 oh, cool. um, and the school is called Sogetsu which it's like the avant-garde um, or was the avant-garde there's probably like <laughs> more crazy avant-garde schools of Japanese flower arranging now but that's the tradition I'm studying in and so it's interesting how um, outside practices kind of leak into the process of painting mm -hmm. and I thought like, oh, it's like the working with space or the there's like an element of line, mass, and movement in mm -hmm. Ikebana. Mm -hmm. And like the and all the open space. So where you place something makes the makes the space come alive around the arrangement and makes you see, I don't know, all the relationships, I guess. And so that maybe more abstractly came into the work, but then this year all of a sudden I was like I'm going to paint flowers after painting landscapes for, I don't know, eight-ish years. So landscape, like heavily based landscape, but very abstract and colorful. Like some of the works in there are still primarily landscape based. Yeah. So then getting all the, all the flowers started coming out and the, in a way, like the paintings that are super, they're super dense and super, um, like bouquet, like Western style bouquet, oh, actually. Yes. Ikebana is much more sparse. So you see that in the sculptural work mm -hmm. that's um, like Ikebana inspired. I can't call it Ikebana because <laughs> it doesn't have any live plants in it, but the, the dried plants. Yeah. So the Ikebana inspired, that has the sparseness in the space and the line placement density. But then the other works are just like this, these kind of I don't know, verdant, pounding, accumulative um, spaces. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. They feel like close up, like, yeah, just like all the flowers all in your face, like oh, just a lot. Like, And I can see how like Ikebana does feel like more spacious and there's like, it's all about the space mm -hmm. around. And yeah, with Western <laughs> mentality and life and floral arrangements it's like more in your face and, and maximalist yes. instead of minimalist yeah it's like how many more flowers can we put in <laughs> and it was like I liked that with your paintings like it just felt like really really full a lot of them I mean I could see with some of them um there was a couple that almost looked like they had like a stencil effect or there was like um like a watercolory, mm -hmm. like more minimal. Mm -hmm. Those felt like more. I don't know. There was just a nice flow of like light and heavy through the show. Like some things were just really heavy and full on, and then other things did feel more spacious. So 
Yes. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I just, I really love that show. And I love your color, your use of color. Um, do you want to talk about that at all? Has that changed sure. over the years? Um, well, I definitely, like you said, maximalist. I definitely mm-hmm. have a more maximalist mm-hmm. um, aesthetic or approach. And I, you know, you have ideas of like what you should make or what is like mm-hmm. the pinnacle of something. And for me, that's like more minimal, more like, I don't know, but I'm not, that's just not my nature. So yeah. I have to, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, so, but the color, um, I feel like anything is available. Mm. All, there's all possibilities, all combinations. And I try to use, I love like rainbow. Rainbow yes. is my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> so I try and use like anything mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. color. But I also want the color to have integrity. I want the mm. the single picture to have some kind of um, integrity or coherence. So it's not um, there's a lot of harmony, like, and that's maybe like the Tai Chi or Japanese aesthetic background too. Is like you're um, making things with that express harmony and beauty, mm. um, and but then what can do that is open. It could yeah. be, could be anything. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's so cool. And I could see just um, with the Ikebana, the idea of trying to create harmony with these different elements as well. I got to see a really cool show in France years ago. I don't remember the artist, but it was basically someone who did Ikebana. And it was like these giant arrangements, but they used like trash and garbage mm. to kind of hold different things together. And then there were live plants and then you got to see the decay over the month of mm. like as it changed a little bit each day. And it was just like so beautiful. I was like, this is the best thing in this well, show is yeah. like the rotting plants and garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was just interesting that way that like you can have I don't know that spaciousness and that bringing there's know, still elegance yeah, yeah but then life process happens yeah and Nikibana is all it means um, bringing life to flowers or bringing oh. life to plants uh-huh. and the so it's it is about like a celebration of life so traditional Nikibana would never show you know you only see it for like two or three days in an yeah. e- exhibition setting and then it's it's gone and then it is actually becomes garbage or compost if you're lucky but the the, I like that too the the whole process unfolding before the viewer yeah that's really cool I got to see an Ikebana show in Chicago at the botanical or museum and then they had a little uh conversation Mm -hmm. about Ikebana and it was so fun just to see and then they did a couple demos of like making arrangements and talking about just all of the different elements and how they're supposed to come together but I like this idea of the is it sugetsu sugetsu yeah the uh, more avant-garde yeah and so there there's like a um sugetsu Colorado a big ikebana group here and they um they do a yearly show and watching the demos it's like a magic show you know they have these disparate plant parts Uh and then all of a sudden put it together what seems like in no time and you have this amazing work of art that just materializes so Um, cool to watch (laughs) I need to get the schedule for that because I want to attend that (laughs) yeah it's usually in the spring spring that you do a spring show it's a it coincides with the Denver um, Home and Garden Show oh, at the Coliseum, so it's worthwhile to see. Okay. I did I did an exhibit there last spring, oh, so cool. 2018. Yeah, I guess two springs ago, but still, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was my first Gabbana exhibit, and it was I don't know. It's humbling because mm-hmm. there are people that are super masters. Yeah. There's one of. Um, the woman is like 90 and she makes these crazy like eight foot tall like they're always like bombastic like just incredible installations and you know they it's like all of this material and all of this work for three days yeah and then it's gone and so it's it's so amazing to watch like to watch everyone put their arrangements together and then also the breakdown like is so 
wonderful because it's like, okay, we're in this art show, all of these amazing things happen. Oh, the art show's over. And then like within half an hour, everything's gone. Wow. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like so impermanence, you know, yeah. like materialized. It's so beautiful. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that idea of just like being able to see all those things come together and then be dismantled. Yes. Yeah. Like and they're, they're precious and then they're not. Then they're nothing. Then they're yeah. garbage. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I I worked at a flower shop for a while in Boulder, Fonsleep, and mm. it was kind of like that too. Like we would spend all this time, you know, going to the nurseries and finding their perfect flowers, and then you bring them in, and you yeah, you have a couple of days with these flowers, and then they're just garbage, and you just like they're composting yeah. all, and it's like, oh, but they're still pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to really. Um, deal with my attachment issues in some ways because totally. I was like they're still beautiful and the owner Tara she's wonderful and she was just like they're garbage like they're gone. if they're not pristine they're garbage and I was like but they're still like, they <laughs> take it home I'm taking this yeah. home <laughs> yeah and I yeah. just was like filling my room with flowers that yes. were wilting but yeah it was, <laughs> <laughs> was a fun experience um Coming back to some projects that you're working on, I saw you're doing a collaboration with Mused, and you have an incredible sense of fashion. Like, I just, when I went to your show, I was like, oh my God, what is that dress? What is nice. 100% silk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm so, like, I'm super obsessed with natural fibers. Oh, so I go thrifting, and then look, like, I just got this is a recent find. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. She's, you guys can't see this, but Jennifer's wearing <laughs> this fabulous green silk blouse and an amazing necklace that she made herself that is gorgeous so yes and just <laughs> scour like yeah. ooh, silk good pro good you know uh, silhouette etc but mused is um i guess like the designer and founder of mused is my um junior high school friend her name's oh, <laughs> her name's cool. Lindsay jones and she's uh -huh. super awesome she's worked for um I can't remember, like John Paul Gaultier and oh, wow. um, Zach Poisson. She's like done, she's oh, like amazing. super in the fashion, like art world. She was, yeah. um, Richard Prince did a self portrait of her. Oh, wow. She's, she's just like high society yeah. <laughs> lady, but she's super cool. Um, so Muse is her fashion line and fashion house. And oh, cool. so we, I don't know, like the thing that we're mostly talking about is, um, I'm designing fabrics, oh, nice. and she she actually has printed. Uh, I did a, a flower painting that's a lot like what's in the show at Juice Box, mm -hmm. and then scanned it, made a pattern with it, and she printed that. And so she's going to make. So far, it's going to be a suit, I think, and maybe a dress or oh. a trench coat. I'm not sure, but oh, it's oh my god, yeah, that's fabulous. super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Um, I would love to see any of your paintings as. A textile that sounds incredible. Yeah. What a cool idea. And I love that kind of like um, friendship that you've been able to kind of continue, I don't know, working with old friends. And, yeah, super special. Yeah. I'm not in touch with hardly anyone from that long ago. Right. Just her, so. Oh, that's neat. incredible. That's really cool. Um, and I was curious, you, it sounds like you do a lot of collaborations with people. I saw you also did, um, the rose colored dance. That's a video on your website that you did with Noah Travis Phillips and your collages just come to life with movement and sound. And, and I love the collages themselves too. So I was curious about that collaboration with that. Yeah. How that came about. Yeah. That project is really cool. Um, so Noah curated a show that was at Counterpath in Denver. Um, and so it was like an evening event. Um, it was called The Passage of Light Can Be Bent. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of darkness and horror based. It was around Halloween that the show happened. Um, and a lot of the things that were present in it were digital multimedia. The Rose Colored Dance was not... Um, a video yet. Oh, what okay. I did for the show was um, in the space I made these two site-specific scrolls which are the collage oh. and they were based on Bhutto. Um, one was like vertical movement and one was horizontal movement. Oh. 
And then there was an Ikebana arrangement along with the, with them. And it was kind of amazing because the I felt they fit so well into the environment. They were like so site specific that people like didn't see them almost. Like oh. we had to keep being like there's like you can look at that right there. It's, yeah. You're just sitting right next to it, but it's like I don't know, it's oh. so just part of the space. Right. Um so but then the um the, so those scrolls were rather large like you know wall wall length mm -hmm. and then um I guess I just we scanned and photographed different parts of the collage and then those the way they move through the video the the ones that are moving vertically are from the vertical scroll and the ones that are moving uh, horizontally are from the horizontal base scroll oh beautiful and then the buto buto the rose colored dances um, was one of the first Buto performances, oh. and so and the music on the video is kind of a remix, I guess, or appropriation of the the score for that. So the yeah. first Buto dance ever. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Rose so, colored dance. Yeah. I love that. So I am a little bit familiar with Buto, but mm -hmm. some people may not be because it's not always. Uh, it's not at the front of mainstream sure um how would you describe Bhutto? um i think the translation is like it's the dance of the dark soul mm. and or the dance of darkness um and there's uh hijikata and kazuo ono maybe um those two people um were kind of the founders of Bhutto, a japanese dance form and yeah, I mean, there's still like schools today. People, it's alive and well and went, oh well, alive and well in Japan. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love the um, kind of the slowness and the I don't know, very embodied quality of it, mm -hmm. and the the darkness present. Um, yeah. 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 I've only seen a couple. I've never seen. Buto in person. Mm. I've just seen it mostly like YouTube, yeah, videos online. But I got to see a video recently. There was a screening at the dairy, and there's a woman in Boulder. Again, I can't remember her name, but I'll try to figure it out. And she runs a dance program where people just come together once a week, and they basically move really slowly, mm. <laughs> <laughs> just like create dance out of like beginning with a really slow movement and I was like oh that sounds really fascinating yeah. and fun just to like slow down I feel like there's like a a quickness about your work but then there's also like mm -hmm. slower pieces too like there's I don't know there's like a rhythm mm -hmm. to your work that feels like yeah some things are faster and some things are slower yeah yeah I think I try for to create a lot of movement um, in the paintings and I think they reward you know engagement sustained engagement so you mm -hmm. there's like the initial like oh this thing and then if the longer you keep looking at it like your eye travels you there's different relationships that happen between things um, it, and some of the landscapes that I do they're like I mean influenced by Chinese landscape painting, or so traditional Chinese landscape painting, um, in that they're, I don't know, people say flat, but I actually don't know what that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> but so like just different kinds of perspective and multiple mm -hmm. perspectives happening uh -huh. at once, uh -huh. and maybe like multiple even parts of a place all presented together. And so then, you know, looking at something longer, you get to see like, oh, this is that maybe from above, or this is that place from farther back, or all these things happen. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like that idea of like all of those perspectives kind of coming together. And I liked in your statement on your website, just you kind of talked about that multidimensional quality mm -hmm. of what you're going for with like, yeah, different perspectives and different speeds and just kind of bringing things together yeah and, and simultaneousness yeah 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 that's an interesting idea where did that come from simultaneousness like how did you um kind of come to that 
Well, Sonia Delaunay, she, um, a painter from like Bauhaus era, um, she had she had a like fashion line and actually like a, her practice she called it simultaneous simultaneity uh-huh. um, or simultaneousness, um, and she, she was all about like art is part of everyday life, and so and and all of these different combinations of maybe it's fabric or it's movements or it's patterns and rhythms. So she's a like super, I don't know, influence, I guess. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Kind of, (laughs) it came from that. And she was trying to just talk about like the, the modern experience and modern for her is like 1920s. And, but it's still kind of the same where we have all of these multiple levels happening all the time, even like screens and screens within screens and then the environment and, the bigger environment, and so it's, it's all happening simultaneously. So yeah. It's kind of about that. I like that, yeah. that idea of, like, engaging with that, but in, like, a slow, thoughtful way of, like, building these paintings and building these phrases. And Yeah, it's um, not aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't want anything to be aggressive yeah. or, um, like, in your face. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's gentle, inviting, like... Mm-hmm. Um, harmony yeah Yeah. and accessible too Mm -hmm. I feel like there's there's an accessibility to your work where it's like anyone could come into that show and appreciate something Mm -hmm. you know like any age any just anyone could be like oh that (laughs) like my niece and nephew would adore your paintings (laughs) (laughs) well thank you (laughs) so um kind of thinking about accessibility I'm curious um thinking of like being a mother of a 16 year old daughter that's so fun yeah. and exciting how has motherhood influenced your creative practice or is it nameable um I think it, that's a hard question and a big question and like the first thing I think of is being a mother increases your scope of awareness oh. or your scope of relationship and kind of rather than thinking like I'm I'm the center and it's like what's good for me then I start to think about like what is going to be good for this network of individuals whether it's my family my daughter and myself myself and my art it's like how does the it's like a more relational way of relating yeah and um now that she's 16 it's like I can be like I'm going to the studio on this day and this is what's happening Versus when, you know, and as an infant, it's like, you're asleep, I'm going to paint. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, it's so it, it's changed over the course of her life, for yeah. sure. And it's definitely like readjust, you have, you know, readjusting one's perspective. I had to readjust my perspective to be like this whole other life form I'm wow. like caring for, I'm <laughs> responsible, <laughs> yeah. you know, more than responsible for. It's like she... Um, you know, how can you do the best you can for yeah. this person? Because they're, they're in the world, you, you know? Yeah, it's a heavy weight to bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well, please cross your fingers. Hopefully turn out okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that you have some fun along the way. Yeah, exactly. Grow yeah. and learn. And I guess, like, the other alternative when people take all the time is, like, you just shut down your passion and you live for your child. Yeah. Now, that's not I don't know that wasn't an option for me yeah good for you yeah. <laughs> do you feel like you just have like a stubborn spirit or how did you kind of hold on to that because I feel like it's really easy for women to lose themselves mm-hmm. to their children um I th- I think yeah there is a lot of cultural pressure to do that for sure yeah. and um I think that there were there were a couple years where I tried to question like am I an artist like is this really important to me and um, like can I just forget about this <clears throat> and that uh, that was those were very depressed years of my mm-hmm. life like I didn't really want to yeah. be alive um, and so like I in a way had to like reconnect with my creativity mm-hmm. and that like it it was valid for me to be a mom and an artist mm-hmm. and a young woman and um 
And so then that just became, the question became more like, how can I make art my life mm. rather than whatever, whatever else? Um, so like really trying to work it into the fabric of, of my existence. Amazing. How, how has that looked? Like, how did you kind of pull that back in after being in a dark place for a while? Like, was it? It was a like super process. Um, I think like actually Tai Chi helped me a lot. Like that it's a super simple practice, you know, just doing it like once every day. It having that kind of, um, discipline in a way changed, um, what I felt was available to me and it mm-hmm. kind of it actually like changed my mind you know somehow and made me actually feel healthier or like more I don't know in my body more more in my life like yeah. I, like it was some kind of thing like simple thing that I could repeat and build on right so it's like a discipline over time um and then just I guess, like, slowly saying, like, okay, you know, X number of hours a week are going to be for art making. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's nice if you have a class because then you're like, all right, I'm in class and then I can do this, you know, same amount of time at home or something and just slowly building up to having, you know, a schedule, like, kind of, it's like basic and rudimentary, but just, like, dedicated time to, to doing it, to doing art. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. I mean, just to like, yeah, you have to kind of schedule it in and make it part of your life. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like becomes, it just flits away and it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's easy to put off or ignore. Yeah. yeah. The more that happens, the less like, I don't know, good I am in my other other parts of my life, you know. So I just have to make the balance so it's primary <laughs> you have to do it yeah. it's almost not a choice you know <laughs> I, yeah. I hear you there's a, a Bjork interview where someone uh, they're like asking all these different artists and musicians like what's their, your relationship to your job mm-hmm. and she said something like that like the relationship to my job is that like I want to be alive yeah. if I do it if I don't do it I don't want to be I don't yeah. want to be here I don't want to be alive yeah so wow that's powerful yeah and so I feel like a lot of artists and creatives could relate to that too. It's like if I'm not making my work, I just I'm not a happy person. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think to have like a physical practice too that kind of builds discipline, like Tai Chi and like connecting to the breath. And I've only done Tai Chi a couple times, but there is something about like just noticing like how you move energy and kind of feel energy in your own body and yeah, just the slowness of it and the meditative quality that's like, I don't know, brings you back to yourself, your true nature in some way. Yeah, for sure. Tai Chi is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you're teaching Tai Chi as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I studied Tai Chi. I started in uh, 2008. So this is my 11th year of oh Tai my Chi. Oh that's amazing. <laughs> um, and I just, I learned at Naropa. My teacher was Baton Faigao. Mm-hmm. And he has he has a school Rocky Mountain Tai Chi that's here, and so I studied with him. And then after I graduated, I asked if I could be his assistant teacher for Naropa classes, which was a role that you know pe- people filled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was lucky enough to do that for a few years, and that was just like it was more like I'm taking class still, but yeah. I can stand in front of people. Right. And then um, he passed away, and I kind of just continued my own practice on my by myself mm-hmm. but then I went back to Rocky Mountain Tai Chi um, that's now uh, he passed it on to two of his students Beth Rosenfeld and Lee Fife mm-hmm. and um, they're, so now they're my teachers and yeah we they eventually asked me to you know do you want to teach a beginning class and now I'm like I'm teaching beginning classes with for the school and then also I teach at a senior center and I teach um they they moved their practice out to their house in hygiene and so I teach the boulder boulder class on Tuesday night oh so amazing with another another student we swip we swap mm-hmm. yeah 
Oh my so. gosh, how cool. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Yeah. What is, so do you have like your own daily practice that you do by yourself? Yes. <laughs> and how long does that take? Um, generally? It depends on the day. Okay. So if it's like a rushed morning, it's like 15 minutes a day. Um, sometimes it is hour, an hour-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still go to classes with Beth and Lee. So oh, I, nice. I'm in class maybe six hours a week with oh, them. Wow, yeah. that's terrific. Yeah, it's that's nice. Amazing. It's great. It's, <laughs> I think of it like I feel like I did um, a master's degree in traditional Eastern arts, just yeah. not affiliated with any school. So yeah. with Ikebana and with Tai Chi, studying really intensely with these two, you know, with these teachers. Yeah. So that makes sense. I yeah. can see, I can feel that influence in just your presence and in your work. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to travel at all to that part of the world? No, no. That's a definite yeah. goal. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I really want to go to Japan at yeah. some point because it's like pottery, printmaking, paper making. Yes. Yeah, Ikebana, yes. dance. I'm like, all the things. I'm like, Food. Japanese fashion, <laughs> yes, like fashion, like oh yeah. my god, everybody, oh my god, yeah, yeah. so gotta go. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and I saw, oh, you also taught a bookmaking class for yeah. teens. What was that like? Um, yeah, I did that with the through the library. Oh, cool. Um, so bookmaking, I learned it at the University of Utah way mm-hmm. back in the ancient days in the early 2000s <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so I just wanted I actually wanted to work more with the teen population oh, cool. uh, at the library in the teen space so I proposed a program and yeah just we did we did simple book binding and I was actually astonished like I thought the thing we did was like folding paper and tearing it and doing really simple binding techniques mm-hmm. like pamphlet binding mm-hmm. but it was actually so hard for the kids to to do any of it and I was so yeah. shocked it was stuff I took totally for granted folding a paper exactly yeah. in half and then or a stack of papers a stack of three and that that was like it was really challenging for them so yeah. that was it was really interesting and there were you know there was like a big group it was a voluntary program so there were there was a big group at first that did the simple technique mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, we can also do this more complex thing. And only only two really wanted to do that. But I had to, I don't know, help them a lot along the way. Yeah. But it was I, cool. I feel like there is kind of a loss of physical abilities just to do, mm. like, creative things. Yeah, hand, like, hand. Yeah, using our hands in our culture. Like, because I teach pottery and it's kind of amazing to me I don't know like I just take it for granted that I can use my hands yeah there's so much (laughs) intelligence right in our hands there's like so much you know from the filling and yeah it's my painting teacher Joan Anderson said two things one that's like your hands are often far ahead of your mind Mm. and so you're gonna like when you're painting do it slowly Mm. um not like the physical act slowly but take your time and when you Notice when there's a pause and pause and look at it. Like, why did you stop here? And mm-hmm. like, actually relate to the thing because you probably can't see what you've done yet, and you your mind might be rejecting it. What something your hands did, but you like there. I don't know. There's a lot. It's a lot maybe further out than your mind is comfortable with. Wow. And she also called painting a manual labor. Oh, so interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is such a physical, manual labor. And I love thinking of the intelligence of our hands and just kind of like releasing some control to that in some way. I'm like, oh, that's so refreshing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I need to do that more often. It's really beautiful. Yeah, and that's like kind of a way I paint. I think Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of back and forth between painting and looking, but also like letting the painting unfold Mm -hmm. more than expressing my idea toward it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's like a, we're, you know, myself and the painting, we're in a relationship and we're like, 
I want it to have its own force in the world. Mm -hmm. And so that isn't, it's not, I don't want to do it to the thing. I want it to grow between us. Oh, I love that. That's like a new way of thinking of painting for me. Mm Because I always think of it as like being a channel for something. But Mm -hmm. I like the idea of it being more of a dialogue with you and this energy. Like that's... Yeah, it That's talks cool. back. It does. Yeah. 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 Ikebana, too, like, all of the teachers will, like, talk to their flowers. Oh, when they're, really? <laughs> I mean, not all. I can't say right. all of them. But, but yeah. And they're, like, you know, they're telling it, like, oh, I even told one of my flower arrangements at the show. I was, like, you would do this if I was Alexandra. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, like, staying in the position uh-huh. I wanted. It's, like, you would do this if I was Alexandra. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, you can do this. Exactly. (laughs) I think it helped. That's so, I love that idea of like just conversing with the world around us. It's kind of, um, kind of like that idea of animism, like the whole world around us is like alive, like particles are, everything has an energy, everything has an essence and a spirit and like, why not? Totally. Yeah. I mean, the world, we're like, communicate. Yeah, we're not, like, alone in this, like, vacuum state. That right. Doesn't, you're, like, we're not even, I think in the, the writing for that show, I said something, like, when you find yourself in a field, you're, like, you're in a subjective multitude. Everything mm-hmm. has its, like, subjectivity. Everything's, um, we're, at, we're in a relationship. We're, like, uh, the w- feedback, the world's constantly giving us mm-hmm. feedback, but we... We're like, oh, I don't want to listen to, I don't want to listen to it until sometimes you have to like slam into the wall of it, of the, you know, it's like, that's like when you're like, oh, everything's falling apart or like, wow, I can't believe I didn't see this before, but it's always happening like subtly and really obviously. Yeah. Wow. That's a good reminder. I feel like, yeah, I I usually, we don't hear things until we're ready to hear them. Mm -hmm. This is kind of. That old saying. Yeah. <laughs> or until we're forced. Right. <laughs> okay, I guess I have to okay, hear this. Yeah. I've heard it a couple times now. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, so I was also curious, um, looking at your Instagram recently, you posted a shot of your studio space, and that was like so. It just like lit me up. I was like, oh my gosh, how cool. It's so fun to see like your works in progress and how you set up space. So um, could you share a little bit about what your studio looks like, how you, how you work, what, Mm, how you create kind of like walls to look at. Yeah. Inspire you. Um, So I share a studio space with my husband, Noah Travis Phillips, and it's kind of divided in half. I have the window half. Thankfully. Nice. Yeah, he's a yeah. digital artist, so <laughs> he, <laughs> he wants the dark yeah. corner. Oh, okay. I want the window. That works perfect. nicely. Um, but I I have um, like too many paintings stacked up mm-hmm. against the wall, actually, with their backs to us, to mm-hmm. me, to the viewers. So, but the I have a big desk, and I like to work flat mostly mm-hmm. when I paint. Um, sometimes I'll work with things vertical if I want to get like drips to happen or other you know gravity to help but a lot of times I'm working um, on a flat base whether it's the floor if it's really a large piece or on my desk Um, and the I don't know the wall kind of just accumulates different things that are up for me so I have um, all of these different artists I've been looking at like from abstract expressionists to more contemporary people uh, like Katarina Gross, mm-hmm. um, or like I just found out about an artist who passed away, um, Paul Bloodgood. Mm-hmm. He's been like, and it, they're not like really heavily in heavy influences, but he, the way he works is cool because he he would make all of these painted collages and then make paintings from them. Ooh. So he has this really nice like language of marks and juxtapositions oh, that's cool. super exciting for me. I'll have to look him up. I don't know him. Yeah. Paul Bloodstone? Bloodgood. Bloodgood. Thank yeah. you. And then there's like um, 
uh, I don't know, there's a Chinese embroidered shirt on the wall, picture of Joan Mitchell, because she's oh, like, I love yeah. her. <laughs> she's like yeah. the best painter in my mind. Yeah, um, she's incredible. She's, I can definitely see an influence yeah. in your paintings from her. It's, it's, I think it's, I didn't like her actually mm-hmm. when, as a young artist, and I like, I don't feel like I could see her work mm-hmm. but now something changed you know years ago a few years ago where it's like oh oh my god this is yeah. like she's the pinnacle yeah. <laughs> she's amazing yeah but I don't know or there's like different there's photographs or there are um there's this face that a beautiful like flower tattoo mouth um image mm-hmm. I don't know. I like to think about the the things I look at for art inspiration or it's wide open, whether it's like it, like multiple cultures, art forms, textiles, um, flowers. Yeah. I love that you're looking at so many different things, but then it comes together in this like really beautiful kind of funnel of energy, like focused on other landscapes or now you're kind of zooming in on the flowers a little bit more how do you do you have to like force yourself to kind of focus or do you just you're you naturally are okay with focusing um I feel like it just it just happens I Mm -hmm. I start um kind of I work on multiple pieces at once Mm -hmm. and I'll start a painting and um kind of let it on unfold how it will and a lot of times um the work it, I don't know it chooses or it goes in a specific direction um but it I don't know I think you can't help getting away from yourself yeah and your own aesthetic and your own marks and all of these things and so I just I don't know. I just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> the aesthetic is there. Right. Like, yeah. You don't have the, to try. Yeah. Like it's, and, um, I mean, I guess like actually this is for me, like sincere sincerity is like very important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like really wanting to, um, express, I don't know, is it myself or my aesthetic mm-hmm. or, um, or this like dialogue that's happening with me in the, painting I'm, I want that to be the the thing that's there but other people like want to make a picture of something really specifically and they want to do it with in a specific style and that they do that so yeah. <laughs> I it's not universal I guess right you know yeah that's like I like the idea of sincerity though and kind of pulling that through in the work and letting that be your guide of like okay just be real yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to put on any facades. And I think, yeah, I can, I've fallen prey to not knowing what my work needs to be because I think an influence, outside influences of like, oh, I should make my work look like this or look like that. But I, it's beautiful to just like come into that center and be like, okay, true and sincere and like from yeah. yourself. And then you don't have to worry about the outside mm-hmm. perspective as much yeah and I mean like my work naturally I don't know if it's naturally but my work changes over mm-hmm. time um I have been doing landscapes for you know a, a while mm-hmm. eight or nine ten years whatever but the the way some of the early landscapes I'm like I have no idea how I painted that oh because the, <laughs> like the marks are like I don't know they're yeah I'll, like, try things. I'll, I'll see something and be like, oh, that's really cool. Or they just, like, made a mark right in the middle or, like, right on top of this other thing that's obscuring it. And so I'll try things out or, I don't know, the way that I start a picture um, happens. I'll do, you know, multiple things at once and then they, they all kind of have a similar flavor. Mm. But then they, they're not the same thing, you know. And so it, when I work, I try and balance like I don't know bringing out what's there Mm -hmm. and um also there's like you know decision compositional decisions and oh this is this is a a landscape or this is going to be like a flower world or yeah and like in the um show at juice box there the works on paper 
some the the ones that are like a small group of works on paper mm-hmm. are were just like compositional experiments, color yeah. ideas or whatever. Um, and, and then there are some that are definitely referencing the larger works on canvas or linen. And those, they're not developed, I didn't make the drawing and then make the painting. In mm-hmm. fact, it was rather like the, I made certain marks of the painting and then was like, oh, how can I develop that? Mm-hmm. And so then the drawing happened. Because oh, sometimes cool. things get, they cut, they're at a standstill. Like yeah. I've made all of these marks and I like what's on the surface. Mm-hmm. It's not done yet, but I don't know how to go forward. And mm-hmm. so I, I'll draw to think about what is this, what is this field like? What's happening in here? Yeah. Oh, cool. And then those sometimes are like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is also a piece. I love <laughs> yeah. that. That's so cool. And sometimes they don't resemble each other at all. Mm-hmm. But I like using that as like a inspiration for when you get stuck on a piece or maybe not stuck, but just when you need to pause with a piece mm-hmm. and then you can revisit it in a new form. Yeah. That's a cool way of continuing that dialogue with the piece, but kind of with these other like side notes. Right. Yeah. And some, I mean, sometimes when you're working, the surface becomes so precious and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. I don't know what to, I can't do anything. I don't know what to do or I don't yeah. like, I don't want to ruin it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, actually sometimes you, you need to oh. ruin it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like not, not ruining it to just ruin it, but you need to be able to like break through that aesthetic wall. Yeah. And so I like I find drawing helps a lot with that because anything can happen on the drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea of just like letting yourself break through that fear point where like we're like, okay, it's pretty and I don't want to mess it up and like yeah. <laughs> but it's like sometimes you have to just like take a risk and just like right. let it transform into something new and different and yeah. It's terrifying sometimes. It's like, but what if it doesn't work? It's like, oh. Yep. Then you make another painting and yeah. stack it up <laughs> against the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes we're like, um, the painting will will be at a point where it's almost finished mm-hmm. and you, the artist, myself, needs to just like sit with it and be like oh the thing there are maybe two things that need to happen mm-hmm. here um or it, like sometimes you don't recognize the end of the painting and so you start another painting like mm-hmm. on top of <laughs> the one that's already there yeah. and then you're like oh I have these two paintings here now and then yeah, yeah. it's good to be able to pause and look definitely I'm curious you say you have a you mentioned having too many paintings yes. stacked up against the wall. Do yeah. you revisit things a lot? Or do things... To throw just... them away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so kind of... No, for like, sure. You don't tend to like go back in and like... I don't rework them, oh, no. But, oh, cool. but sometimes I have done things where I, I made a painting and I'm like, it's five years ago, and then I'm like, oh, I really liked something about what was happening there and I'll pull it out and use I don't know if it's the marks or the colors or whatever the composition like I'll use that again in another work or like let it kind of even just by being in the space in infuse into the other work yeah yeah oh that's a cool idea so you don't like go over a canvas over and over Uh uh-uh Wow. I mean, well, I have like painted over things, yeah. but that's just like wipe it out. Yeah. You know, and then this is a new surface. That's but yeah. Refreshing. I to like me. it can just be done. And then if I don't like it five years later, then it, it can be like, oh, I thought it was art, but it's actually garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have a hard time letting things go, and I keep thinking of like, oh, yeah, I could keep changing it or reworking it but I think it's interesting to think of it like if it is a conversation with you and that piece and it didn't work like is it ever going to work you know because I feel like paintings they hold 
this vibration and an energy you know it's kind of like water they say like if mm. you like hold water and you say I love you I love you I love like yeah it has like a different crystalline structure I don't totally. know totally how true that is but it feels true and I feel like to have a painting that you just keep struggling with and like trying to push it forward and it doesn't work to keep it in your realm uh-huh. and in your studio like how that it's interesting to think of how that affects the whole space. Yeah. Well, Lee Krasner, had, she said she made, like, I don't know, however many hundreds of paintings, drawings um, that were just terrible, mm-hmm. you know, her words. And so one day she just started cutting them all up and then mm-hmm. made all of these, made paintings from the other paintings, the collages yeah. of her paintings, which... You know, you always have to find a way to either keep it fresh or get out of, like, a rut or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There, there are definitely things I have around that I've made, and they, they're not working. I just put them to the side. I have, like, a little, I don't know, zone, a corral for paintings mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that are they're kind of in process, and maybe they're, like... They're fine, but they're just not done to my mind, or they're not like something I want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I use those. I'll like pull them out and do something else on top. Um, one I actually like. I did uh, almost like a gestural, like calligraphic stroke on oh. top of, and then I glued it onto another painting I was working on. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I just like did this crazy thing. And it, it was almost like I ma- had made that painting for that collage space, oh. like the way it worked in the overall picture. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was, it was like a breakthrough moment. Oh. Felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's like... Yeah, you glued something to another thing. That's really basic. But I like that you can see both sides of it. Like the celebration of like, oh my god, I transformed a thing. And like the transformation was just like gluing a thing on a thing. Yeah. Like, there's like a humility and like celebration. Yes. Yeah, Always. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. What about plants? <laughs> Um, okay, if you were a plant, what would you be? Um, my favorite flower is violet. Ooh. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, I love violets so much. They're, like, they're so special. They only come out, like, once, you know, right yeah. at the beginning of spring. And then you're like, oh, it's spring. Yes, this is great. Yeah. And they smell good and they taste good. Like, I make, um, this year I made all of this violet vodka. Ooh, for, nice. Yeah, this, super cool you mix it with lemonade and then the lemonade turns this wonderful pink color oh it's super special and then drinking it you get the like essence of the violet smell yeah so yeah I love that that's so I can see how that is like the perfect plant for you too because it's like soft but like has a lot to say at the same time Mm -hmm. and in terms of flower essences it's really good for grief Uh, and for heartache hmm. and I could see how you just have like this really calming presence that just like allows like love in the world (laughs) that's awesome yeah that's a I love that plant for you that's really cool um okay any how do we find you how do we find your work oh yeah Um, how do we look at it so it's at Juicebox um now through September 14th will be the last day um Juniper Lord is my handle on Instagram, and then juniperlord.com is the my website. Oh, I love that. I love Juniper, by the way. How did yeah. you find, how did you come up with that name? Because well, it's so good. Jennifer Juniper is Juniper. I think it's in oh. Danish. Oh, really? And, like, I just grew up with that as a phrase, Jennifer is Juniper. Oh, and so, God. you know, when, you, like, early days of the internet, when you're making your screen name, it was mm-hmm. Juniper Lord. So I'm, like, lucky to have it follow me. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> and I do, I actually have something else to say about yeah, plants. Please. Is from the practice of Ikebana, um, my senses are like so awake to all of the plants around us. Mm-hmm. And at first it's like, what would make a good line for this arrangement? Because mm-hmm. Ikebana uses, you know, trees and flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but now like, Plants are so alive for me everywhere, and I'll notice, 
they're amazing. You know, you mm-hmm. notice all the flowers in spring or you notice, I notice like the different colors of leaves or the shapes or I don't know, the way a tree is growing. Oh. But it, but it's also very specific, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the energy of plants is like, it just feels so good to be around plants. <laughs> and just, yeah, to notice them, like to see, oh, are they happy? Are they overwatered? Do they need more light? Mm-hmm. Like just, yeah, noticing their little spirits. It's cool. Totally. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, any um, resources or references, other music or artists or podcasts or anything you have been like really getting juiced up about lately? Um, I, I mean, I read a lot. I'm reading like m- more than two books, m- more than three books. I listen to <laughs> two books, read, and um, I don't know. My reading right now is, uh, I mean, so a super influence was um, Ninth Street Women. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all about the abstract expressionist time period, mm-hmm. and but centered around five women artists. And that just came out. It's a, amazing. I would totally recommend anyone to read that because you, f- the way um, the writers marry Gabriel, and you feel like you're their friends, like you're oh. hanging out with all these people, and oh, so that I is so fun. It. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. And now I will definitely yeah. pick it up. So Ninth Street Women is great. The Women of Abstract Expressionist show that was at the Denver Art Museum oh. was yeah so awesome and. Um, the, I don't know, I look at weaving like I've been looking at Sheila Hicks oh, a lot yeah. lately. She's incredible. Yeah, and Cecilia Bacuña also. I feel like they're, um, in a way, they're different continents and kind of different relations, but I don't know. Book, I could talk about <laughs> <laughs> books and artists and influence whenever, <laughs> but I just, like my, the scope is wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What Okay, what are um, other two other books you're reading um i'm right now i'm reading a book called uh wayward lives and beautiful experiments what? and it is about the turn of the century um all of the like black migration to cities and kind of about um african americans as like the original like free love anarchy like free thinking um that like trying to create other ways of of living and that's a lot what we associate with the 1960s but this author like through archives is like positing a different kind of history and so that it's like such a beautiful book and um Sounds incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. I want like you should have a reading list on your website. <laughs> that would be a great I mean I keep track of what I read. Oh, that's because so I cool. I won't remember because I'm just like yeah, know, always absorbing looking at everything. Um I, I have been like super into reading about um racism and social justice mm-hmm. and um per- other perspectives. Um for a long time it yeah. started kind of with feminism and like it has branched into like all kind of like liberation mm-hmm. fields including you know uh earth earth liberation so like the um this changes everything the mm-hmm. naomi klein book on climate change mm-hmm. that i think is also essential reading it's like and I'm, I'm actually working on an art show about climate change oh, that cool. I, i'm proposing um but the part of the way she starts it is like you, we need to feel this catastrophe. Mm. We oftentimes we hear about climate change and it's so big and it's mm-hmm. so um, it's too much. We just shut down, we ignore mm-hmm. it, we avoid it, um, and like part of the way forward is is feeling feeling the grief of it and feeling the intensity and yeah. Oh, that's so amazing! I need to read that. Yeah, yeah, I like. I love your notebook, how you have everything all organized and... It's how you get it done. Yeah. <laughs> Discipline <Yeah>. over time. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like I could just like talk to you for 6,000 years and just... We can continue <laughs> off the record. <laughs> yes. 
But thank you, Jennifer, so much for making time for yeah, chatting today so much. and reserving this beautiful room in the library and yeah, making time to just talk about your work and your life and it's really generous. My my pleasure, my honor. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for dropping into time in the studio. Please be sure to connect with Jennifer Lord at her Instagram handle. It's at Juniper Lord, or you can check out her beautiful website at juniperlord.com. She also has her incredible show up at Juicebox Gallery. That's in Denver, Colorado, 3006A Larimer Street. That's in Rhino, Rhino neighborhood of Denver. And that is up until September 14th. So you still have some time to see it. It is really incredible. And it is called As You Find Yourself in the Verdant Fields with the Sun on Your Face. And I hope you can just, yeah, feel the sun on your face some point soon, <laughs> maybe today. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast and want to rate, review, or share it with a friend, that is greatly appreciated. And thank you so much just for listening and love and gratitude to you all. Hope you are having a beautiful summer and I look forward to being back again soon in the next couple of weeks. Uh, thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.